Welcome to Strong Tower Baptist Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at strongtowerbaptist.org. The person of Christ. We, this is part two of last week's sermon. There's no way you could get, you couldn't get it in a hundred thousand sermons if you really give it the attention or give him the attention that you need to on the person of Christ Jesus, who Christ Jesus really is. Jesus Christ is not just a philosopher that lived 2,000 years ago. Christ Jesus is not just uh, an emblem or a figure of the Christian religion that we look to his teaching and we think that he was a great teacher, a great philosopher. He's not just that. He was that, absolutely, but he's not limited to that. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He is our Lord and our Savior. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is found from Genesis through Revelation. Long before he was ever born, the Bible shows us and reveals to us Jesus Christ. All throughout Scripture, we see Jesus Christ. Well, last week we learned in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, Let us make man in our image. Us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And as I said, we see him all through the Scripture. But Jesus is so much more than just a person. He's so much more than just a man. He is God. Amen? So we're going to, we're not, we're not going to build, as Steve Lawson says, sometimes preachers, uh, they, they make the whole, whole sermon, they try to sell the house on the front porch. Well, that's not going to be the case this week. We're going to go right into the meat of it. Let's look at verse number 17. The Bible says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, we're going to have a lot of scripture today, so I'm going to kick it in high gear. Uh, but, man, you can never have too much scripture, really, when you're explaining who Christ is and, and, and what the Word of God says about him. Number one, Christ is eternal. Now, when we think of eternal, most of the time when we hear that word of eternal, we look to the future. We don't look behind us. We look to the future. But in reality, Christ and his eternality is not just as far as you can see in front, but as far as you can look behind in the past, Christ Jesus is eternal. I want everyone, for just a minute, I never do this on Sunday morning, so I want to be real brief, and if I don't get to you, forgive me. Wednesday night, we'll do things like this sometimes, it's Sunday night. I want you to do something with me for just a minute. I want everyone to imagine Right now in your mind, just try to imagine in your mind, a time when there was no creation at all. When you imagine that, what image do you have in your mind? Anyone? Nobody has an image? Darkness? Anybody else? Darkness? How many sees darkness? I don't even know how to explain it. I don't even know that that's even correct. Because when we see darkness like that, we see in our mind, uh, we see like outer space. There's nothing but just vast darkness everywhere. But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus Christ has no beginning. Now, if you get bored and you want to consume your mind with something that will wreck your mind, you just stop and think Jesus 
has no beginning. You say, why did you do that to me, preacher? It drives me crazy too to think about that. You know what I do instead? I just say, amen. Amen. I can't comprehend that. I just believe it to be true. When all of creation began, Christ was there. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same uh, in the beginning uh, was with God. Now we see here that verse 14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. So before Christ was ever born, before uh, a man was ever introduced to Jesus being born of a virgin, before anyone had ever even heard about a coming Messiah, before Adam was ever created, before light was created, darkness was created, before the ocean was created, the streams, before all of that, Jesus Christ was. Amen? John eight fifty eight. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, that's a whole lot more to that statement of the Lord Jesus than just him saying, hey, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is actually making a declaration there. He is God Almighty. Let's look here. God commanded Moses to represent the children of Israel before Pharaoh. And Moses struggled. Many of y'all know the story. Moses struggled with, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but what am I going to tell the people who sent me? Who put me at this level to go before Pharaoh and represent uh, your children before him? Who, who do I tell them sent me? Exodus 3, 13 through 15, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel uh, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of, of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now I want you to notice something about that passage. God makes no effort or attempt to explain who he is. He makes no effort or attempt to say, I am God, I'm your creator, I'm this, I'm that, I'm God, and he tries to, to prove a point. He doesn't do that. God doesn't have to prove anything. He is God. He said, Moses, you tell them that I am sent you. Christ Jesus is the great I am. John 6, 35, let me read these rather quickly. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. When manna came down from heaven in the Old Testament, it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great I am. Uh, John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, 7 through 9. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. John 11, 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14 of chapter 10, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine. In other words, he knows who his sheep is. Johnny Hunt said one time, he said, you're never going to get to heaven and somebody say, hey, I didn't, Samuel, what are you doing here? Michael, what are you doing here? Nick, what are you doing here? Now, some of us might be surprised if we get to heaven, but Jesus isn't going to be surprised. Why? Because he knows his own and his own knows who he is. He said in John 15, 1 and verse 5, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Uh, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, ye can do nothing. Praise God, Christ is and forever will be the I am that God told Moses to tell, speak to his people and to Pharaoh. Psalm 92, before the mountains were brought forth or even thou uh, hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Let's look at the second part of verse 17. The Bible says that before he is all things and by him all things consist. By Christ all things consist. The word consist here in the proper context, I love this, it means to hold together. So I, I, I'm going to read this. The Bible says, for it pleased, or, or verse 17, it says that by him all things consist. So by Christ, all things are bound together. Nothing goes on outside of the knowledge, permission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Christ holds everything together. The ocean stops exactly where Christ desires for it to stop. If he wants it, I'll even go a step further. Now you might, you may not like this, uh, this description. I don't just think that the Lord tells the ocean where to stop. I believe every little tidal wave that comes in, he knows exactly where it's going to stop. He knows how far it's going to go out. I believe he knows the, knows the very number of the, of the sand of the sea. He knows it all. All things are held together by the Lord Jesus Christ. The stars that suspend in heaven, they do so at his will. If there's one that falls, it's it's at his will. Amen? The seasons come and the seasons go at his will. The sun moves the least fragment one way, we all burn up. It moves the least fragment another way and we all freeze to death. What holds that together? What keeps it from moving one way to, to make us freeze to death? What keeps it from moving another way to make us burn up? It is Christ Almighty. By him all things are held together. All things can Consist. Dr. McGee said, and I quote, a few years ago in our lifetime, man did a very daring thing, and I think now a very dastardly deed. He untied the Adam. The Lord Jesus tied each one of those little fellows together when he created the Adam. Man did what he called splitting the Adam. Believe me, did he release power. 
Have you ever stopped to think of the tremendous power in there is, that, that, that there is in the atoms of this universe? If one bomb that we could hold in our hand can, can blow a hole area in the smithereens than how much power is tied up on the vast physical universe. Who is holding all that together? Christ Jesus is holding all that together. From the rivers to the streams, to space, to the great Milky Way, the vast universe, the stars hanging in the, in the balances of the sky, the sun shining to the clouds that cover the sun. From the rain that falls down from the sky that goes into the streams that makes their way to the ocean and yet they evaporate back up out of the waterways and go back into the heavens. It goes up at his will. It comes down at his will. Christ Jesus, all things consist from and in and out of Jesus Christ. He holds it all together. From the sun and the moon to animal life, to human life, to plant life, to the ecosystem, it all consists out of the Lord Jesus Christ. The complexity of life is held together by the Lord Jesus Christ. So where do, where do you, where do I fit in this greatness of Christ? The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee. Now I know the word is speaking to Jeremiah as before he gets commissioned to be the prophet of God. But if he knew Jeremiah before he formed him in his belly, what makes us any different than Jeremiah? You see, Jeremiah is cut out of the same cloth as us. He's human just like us. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So what does that tell us about life? What does that tell us about life before birth? Jesus Christ creates life. Now, I understand that life may come as a byproduct of sin. Someone may not be married or this, that, and the other. And someone, when a man and a woman come together and there's a child, hey, we don't need to get bogged up in all that. We preach the Bible. We preach truth. But listen, not one life exists that it is not the will of Christ. Verse 18, and he said, he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Number two, Christ is the head of the, of the church. Paul gives us the imagery here of the human body, okay? The human body. And I quoted, I'm going to quote Dr. Adrian Rogers. I've used this many times. I love it. Dr. Adrian Rogers said, no head equals dead, and two heads equals a freak. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? So in other words, if we walked into a building or we walked, uh, walked into a building and we saw someone laying there and their body was here but their head was over there next to the door, we don't have to consult with a doctor whether that body is dead or not. We don't have to consult with a doctor whether that head over there next to the door is going to be talking to us. I'll just be the first to tell you, if that head over there is talking and the body's here, I'm going to find a new exit out of that building. You don't question whether someone is alive if the head has been separated from the body. As Dr. Rogers said, no head equals dead, two heads equals a freak. Christ is the head of the church. No living body can live without a head, and no head can live without a body. When a person kills a snake, how many of y'all are scared to death of snakes? Any of y'all? How many of y'all like snakes? I 
I don't. I like that they kill mice in the barn, but that's about. Like, I, I don't want to see them kill them. I don't want to see them waiting on them. I don't want to run into one. Just kill the snakes and don't let me know you're there. Kill the mice. Don't let me know you're there. But a snake. When you kill a snake, what's the most vital thing you do? Cut that head off. I mean, you cut that thing right in the middle. It'll still slither around there and make all kinds of mess. Scares me half to death. You cut the head off. That body can move all it wants to move. I'm not worried about that body. Why? Because the head is cut off. The head is cut off. Somebody said, you know a snake can still bite you with its head cut off. I, my, I like my odds much better when the head's cut off. <laughs> Amen. If I, listen, if I can't get away from the head of a snake when it's been separated from the body, I deserve to be bit. <laughs> and you do too. In ancient warfare, when one's head was severed, victory was instantly realized. What did David do to Goliath when he killed him with the stone, uh, with the sling? He took and he cut his head off and he made a victory lap. And you know what that did? That showed all of Israel, all of doubting Israel, that David had defeated the uh, Goliath, the giant. His head, they wasn't worried about that nine foot, six inch tall giant. Why? Because David had his head. Without a head equals dead. It equals dead. The body can go nowhere unless the head, the mind, tells it where to go. The head is the command center of the body. When you've got dysfunction here and you've got sickness here, whether it be through disease or or whatever it could be, it will affect the rest of the body. But Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. Without Christ, the church does not exist. And without the church, the head, because the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. The body is the church. Without the church... The head, which is Christ Jesus, is not known. You don't just see a head floating around, do you? No. The head is always attached to the body. So the church has the head, which is Christ Jesus. They are inseparable. Now, does that mean, we'll get to this in this moment, does that mean that all churches have Christ as the head? No, not at all. If an area is without the church, they are without Christ Jesus in that area. Why do we put so much emphasis on mission work? We've got missionaries in the 1040 window of Asia, which is such a small percentage have put their faith and trust in Christ. We've got three missionaries there out of our church, independent missionaries out of our church in the 1040 window. We've got missionaries in the Philippines. We've got missionaries in North America through our convention. We've got missionaries all over the world through the International Mission Board. We've got mission work over here at ETSU in our local campuses, uh, mission work. We, listen, we, now Brother Jody's with us as our outreach pastor. He was just in St. Louis uh, preaching. That's a mission work. Amen? Brother Brandon was up in Carter County. Now, that might be a hard mission work, but he was up there in Carter County, right? For those of you all from Carter County, I'm just playing, just teasing. Don't get mad on me and lay down. Listen, all 
of the work of the Lord Jesus goes out in the mission. But where is it tied to? It's tied to the body of Christ. And Christ is connected to the body as the head. That's why we put so much emphasis on mission work. We got to hear the testimony of that lady and her husband down around the Nashville area that the storms ripped through there. And she said she had about all that she could take. And she'd come home, didn't know how to clean things up. And lo and behold, there was a bunch of Christians with chainsaws. Gary, I know it. You're going to probably give a little bit more because he had a steel chainsaw, not a Husqvarna. Gary's a, Gary's a tree, he's a tree man, so I know he's a little partial to steel power tools. But so uh, I, I told him to make sure they put that in the video just for you, Gary. Amen. He'd have probably held back if he'd have saw Husqvarna or something else like that in there. But anyway, where his church is, there he is, and vice versa. As our missionaries are planting churches and sharing the gospel, Christ is very much present, which means that life is present. How important is the head of the body, Christ and the church? How important is Christ, the head of the body? I'll tell you how important. He leads. He guides. He corrects. He activates, he directs, he inspires. He brings us together around his word and commissions us together. He drives the body. Why were those chainsaws fired up in Middle Tennessee? Because Jesus said, if you see a brother in need, you don't shut up your bowels of compassion. Because if you do, how dwelleth the love of the Father in us? Why do we feed the poor? Because he tells us to. Why do we help people when they're in tragedy? Because he tells us to. Why do we visit the sick when people are down? Because he tells us to. Why do we go to the destitute? Because he tells us to. Why do we share the gospel to the drunkard in the gutter, to the harlot on the street corner to the, uh, the single mom. Why do we do those things? Because the head tells us to. And you get apart from the head and you've got dysfunction. When Christ ceases to be the head of a local church, you've got nothing more than a dysfunctional social gathering where men control all the decisions and everything and they don't guide it by the word of God. And what do you have when the head is severed? You've got something that's dead. Amen. Now, I know this probably shouting messages or a sermon, if you will, but it's good stuff. Amen. There are times when these particulars or there are times when the body ceases to be controlled by the head, such as disease takes over. Now, again, the imagery given is the human body. Disease takes over. Handicap happens. Maybe injury to the head. When that happens, the head ceases or the body ceases to be controlled by the head. Too many of our churches have got pictures, images, reminders of what and who the head is but he's not attached to that local body anymore. And they can only reminisce back to what things used to be like, but now they make their own calls. They make their own decisions. They, they're not rooted in ground. They're not, they're not connected to the command center, so to speak, anymore. 
There are times when these particulars cause a body to lose its proper functions. When the church is controlled by Christ, wholesome life comes from it. Spiritual maturity, nourishment, obedience, a lack of disease, and spiritual sickness. Right now at Strong Tower Baptist Church, even our leadership isn't even aware of some of this. Pastor Brandon is. We work together every day. There are needs that are arising in our church that when I look at them, I say, there's no way, no how, how in the world are we going to do this? You're going to get to hear about a little bit of this hopefully next week. How are we going to do it? But this week as I begin to walk around this parking lot, just the parking lot itself. Now, some of you all may think this is foolish. Those of you all that haven't been with us very long, when we first moved here, we got here, listen, we, it was, we were broke. We used every dime we had to get in here. When traffic would leave on Sundays and come in, you could look off to the right and you thought you saw Miss Hawkins' house. You thought that's what it was, but the reason you really couldn't make it out is because the dust was flying everywhere. Why? Because of gravel. And people would say, why don't you just pay the parking lot? Well, I don't know, maybe because we're broke. We don't have no more money. As I was walking around this parking lot this week, something that may seem like just a given. You pay for church parking lot. It wasn't just a given to us. God provided. As I walked through the grass and I saw and tried to remember back in my mind what it looked like. Right over here where I parked my truck, I'll be the first to go. Right over here where I parked my truck was a 51-foot deep sinkhole that we had to dig out. Brother Bill Hughes was in charge of that. It was 51 foot from the original grade down in there. You could see smoke coming out of the portals of Hades, I think, once they got down so far. So I parked there. I'm going to take one for the team. If it ever implodes, the tundra is going down, okay? But we didn't, even that hole, we kept digging. And the, the, they were telling us, you got to hit bottom and we kept digging and we kept digging and then you don't see the track go no more and we kept digging and we kept digging and we kept digging and I thought what in the world are, we're, we're, we're bound to be getting close to Mexico at some point here and finally Bill hit rock and we thought that was going to cost us so much money and God blessed and now my tundra sits there and anybody else that wants to park there I look around at our building and I think when we was at the fairground, our kids used to be in little warehouse buildings. We'd take makeshift walls, and we had the biggest contraption over there that you ever seen in your life. I don't think OSHA's got anything to do with the church, but they would have shut us down if they did. I mean, it was awful, but we were happy, and God blessed. And I walk around and see what we've got now, and I look out this morning, and I see the college class who just two years ago didn't even exist meeting out here under the awning, and the awning was filled up. I look over at the pavilion, I see another Sunday school class, and I know Pastor Brandon and Jason worked hard for a long time to build that class up, and it was a slow go, and now it's just exploding. I just met with Brent this morning saying, how are we going to move you from here to there, move these people around? And I see all these needs, I say, how are we going to make it happen? I'll tell you how we're going to make it happen. The same way what you see here happen. God is in control. He's the head. Christ is the head. Ephesians 1.22, And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth in all. 
Let's look at the second part of verse 18. Who is the beginning? He is the beginning of the church. Christ created and birthed the church. The church isn't man-made. The church came down from the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this in Matthew 16, 18, Christ said, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now don't let the Catholic Church rob that fundamental truth that's in the Word. They, tell, they like to say, uh, Peter comes from the word Petros, or Petros, if you will, which means stone or little pebble, and they try to claim that Peter was the first pope. Well, there's a problem with that. The Catholic Church didn't come along for another 400 years after Peter. Peter, and I got news for him. Peter, if he was the foundation, he wasn't a very good one. He's a much better Christian than I am or you are, but Peter had a lot of flaws and a lot of mistakes. The rock Christ was talking about wasn't Peter. He is the rock. He said, upon this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see going on in our nation right now, governments are coming down upon our churches. In California, we truly need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ as the governments are, are, are finding these churches. Brother Jack Treber, as of this last Wednesday, $54,000 in two weeks they've been fined for having church. But as Brandon mentioned in prayer this morning, what about the churches of 100, the churches of 50 that are getting $5,000 fines? We look at that and we say, Lord, how long is this going to have? Is this going to show? the church down? You better believe it's not going to shut the church down. Why? Because Christ said, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? Now, Christ is the rock. 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us. Now, I believe right now, before I read that, I believe right now we're witnessing what seems to be a great falling away in the church. I believe the enemy is using the sickness that's going on in our nation. Now hear me out before you jump to conclusions what I'm saying. I believe the enemy is definitely using the, the very real sickness that's going on in our nation. He's using it. But I don't think he's using it quite like Jesus is using it. I believe there's a purging going on right now. I believe that not too far in the, in, in, in the future, there will come a time when these great media platforms is going to shut the mouth of the church from live streaming. You say, I don't believe that. Well, it just happened to us last week. What will we do then? We'll come to church. Amen? We'll come to church. As long as we're able to do it and provide it, we're going to do it to get the gospel out, to get the word out, to, to minister to our people that's unable to be with us, uh, that, that's still struggling with being together in the pandemic that we're in. We will do it as long as we can. But what if the day comes that that's not available to us anymore? You say, that'll never happen. Really? Really? Who would have ever thought that a church would have signs on the door from the local government to cease and desist. Who would have ever thought that would have ever happened? It's happening every day. But what do we take confidence in? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. First John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. 
For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that were not all of us. Now, when I read this passage, I want to make sure that you understand the application I'm making. There are people that have been in the church as a whole, that have been faithful as a whole. I'm talking about all over the world. That when the rubber meets the road, you're going to start seeing people depart. I'm not referring to our people and our church. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, could it be possible that there may be some in our church? Absolutely. Most certainly. But the church of the living God is going to stay together. And all of hell cannot separate that. All of hell cannot destroy that. Why? Because Jesus said so. I believe Jesus is purifying his church just as we speak. I believe we're seeing this persecution come stronger and stronger within our great red, white, and blue. I believe that many churches will not survive the current expectation that we're hearing of the church from the world. Now, y'all camp out with me here for just a minute. Let's see how well y'all been listening. Who is the head of the church? Who? Christ Jesus. Since when are we supposed to let the world tell us how the church is supposed to function? Well, now they're professional, they're this, they're this. They're not the head, of, they're not even connected to the church. Jesus is the head of the church. I heard Andy Stanley just this week. I wouldn't normally call names, but I'm going to because he's a burr in my saddle most of the time. And he wouldn't make a pimple on Dr. Stanley's forehead, which is his dad. Get on social media and say, Christ never commanded the church to meet. Last time I checked, Genesis 1-1 was Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10-25 is Jesus Christ. Christ is not absent in any portion of the Scripture. Christ is in every portion of the Holy Scripture. So when the Bible commands us to come together, Christ is commanding us to come together. So we need to get out of this notion. And again, I'm not speaking to people on a personal level. I'm not speaking to any particular person. Hear me out when I say this. But we as the church cannot begin to listen to the world tell us how we're supposed to be Christian when they're not Christian. We have got to quit letting them tell us how we are supposed to love like Christ when they don't even know what the love of Christ is. We've got to quit letting them tell us how we are to be the hands and feet of Christ when they've never experienced the hands and feet of Christ. I saw a meme this last week. I think Amanda might have shared it. It was great. It ought to be on a billboard. And it's one guy's telling another guy, you should love like Jesus. You should do this. You should. Now hear me out again. I know this is touchy stuff. So everybody don't just go ahead and knock your feelings off your sleeve for a minute but I'm going to say it anyway he was saying you need to love like Jesus you need to be a good neighbor as Jesus would have you do you need to make sure that you stay so far apart you need to make sure that you're sanitized up that you've got your gloves on you've got this on that on and the guy looks back at him and says hey dude Jesus handled lepers now you say now preacher you're getting a little risky with that now, am I really? quit letting the world tell us how we're just supposed to be a Christian. 
They don't know they're dead in the trespasses of their sin. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart. We've got him in this word. We've got him in our mind. He is all in us. That's who we need to listen to. And I feel sorry for some churches. I literally, I, 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 I feel so sorry that some churches are going to dissolve. They'll never meet again because they're financially strapped and they're broke. And, and I'm not making fun of them. I'm, I'm, my heart's burdened for that. It breaks my heart that some will never survive what's coming about. And we may not survive the way we know it, the way we see it, but by God's grace, we are going to stand on God's word and we are going to meet and we're going to lift his name up and we're going to listen to his word and we're going to sing praises to King Jesus. That feels like therapy. I'll just be honest with you. I got that off my chest. Now, some of y'all probably ain't going to agree with it. That's okay. That's fine. I love you anyway, and I hope you still love me. But let me tell you something. I've got a higher authority, and his name is King Jesus. I take orders from much higher. You say, well, what about the preacher that's not interpreting those orders the same way as you? He's the pastor of that church. I'm the pastor of this church. And by God's grace, I'm going to do my best to keep feeding the flock of God, ministering to the flock of God, and listen, lifting up and edifying the flock of God through the Word of God. Christ birthed the church. Therefore, he reaches the world through the church body. He binds the world together through the church, sends and funds the sending of the gospel through the church. He feeds and clothes and heals through his church. He feeds and nourishes the children through the church. The church is essential. And we'll say that again. Church is essential. Verse 17, the last part of verse 17, or verse 18, the Bible goes on to say, and he is the head of the church, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn of the dead. Christ is the resurrection. He is the first to raise from the dead and never die again. He's the first to raise from the dead on his own will. Let me illustrate this. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus died again. He raised Jairus' daughter, and she died again. But Christ rose from the dead and shall never die again. Therefore, those of us in the new covenant that's under Christ Jesus, we're part of the church. We that are part of him shall never die again. Oh, we might draw our last breath on this side of life, but the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I will never die. I'm going to live forever because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, the saved, the redeemed shall never die again. The resurrection of Christ is the left hook of the Christian faith. Muhammad has a grave, Buddha's somewhere, the remains of Joseph Smith and all these other cult leaders, you can go to their grave. But you can go try to find Christ's grave, and I know they've made up one, they try to say it's his grave. doesn't matter if we could go to the very spot he was buried in. He's not there. He is alive forevermore. Because he lives, we too shall live forever. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because he lives, sin can be forgiven and conquered. 
when I mess up today, and I know I will, that means sin. I can go to my advocate, the Father, uh, through, uh, through Christ Jesus, and I have an advocate with the Father. Because he lives, I have life forevermore. Because he lives, I shall live eternally. Because he lives, addiction can be defeated. Marriages can be healed and restored. Cancer can ultimately be defeated. You say, well, why did you word it like that? Christ cures cancer here in this life. And when he does, there's something, unless the rapture happens, that's still going to get us. But either way, the cure is imminent. Amen? Asel Shepherd, one of Dad's dearest friends, he's probably been dead 30 years now, maybe longer than that, died of Lou Garrett's disease. And he told Dad and Pastor Donnie, he, he was so weak, he couldn't could hardly talk. And they told him, we're praying for God to heal you. And he looked at him and he said, he's going to heal me. He's either going to heal me here or he's going to heal me over there. And they called Pastor Donnie and they said, Pastor Donnie, we've got to tell you something about Brother Asel. And Donnie said, God just healed him, didn't he? And they said, he sure did. And he passed from this life to life eternal. Because he lives, our past can be forgiven. Our future can be established. Because he lives, victory is possible. Amen? 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. My heart breaks to see our nation the way it is. But you know what? I've got hope. My heart breaks to see the hatred in our nation that's going on from all sides. But I have hope, and that's in Christ Jesus. Do I have hope that it's going to get better here? No. If it gets better here, it'll be because of him. But I've got absolute hope that it's going to get better. Amen? And it's only Christians that can say that. Lost people can't say that. It's as good as it's going to get for a lost person right here. It don't get no better. As good as it's going to get, it's as good as it's going to get. But for a saved person, we're the only people that can say it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You just wait and see. It's going to get better. He is preeminent. He is supreme. Look here. Number four, the fullness of God dwells in Christ. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. You back up to the last part of verse 17 when it speaks of his preeminence. That means supremacy. In other words, Christ preceded all of creation and then he created all of creation. He took sin to the cross. He conquered the curse of sin. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for his children. He's one day coming back for his bride. And one day all of creation will be restored. And therefore the fullness of God dwells in Christ. The Bible says it pleased the Father that in him, that's Christ, should all fullness dwell. Everything about the church, the body and the head is God in Christ. All of Christ's creation is God in Christ. The church is Christ, or the church in Christ is God in Christ. When we worship Jesus, 
There's no greater honor to God the Father than when we worship Jesus Christ. When we worship Christ, we're worshiping the Father. When we sing to Christ, we're singing to God. We're honoring God. We're honoring Christ. We're singing to Christ. When we look to Christ, we see God. I am with this verse, 1 Timothy 6, 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and holy potentate, the King of kings. I want to remind you that's a big K on that first king, little K. We have one of the lyrics up on here, and nobody meant to do it. It wasn't intentional. But like stuff like that bothers me a little bit. I saw the lyrics of her one time that said, capital K, kings of capital K, kings. I thought, no, 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 no. Amen. King. He is king. He is the, he is the, the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's a day coming when all of his children shall gather around him and shall bow down and say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And for, for the eons of time, as far back, Christ eternal, as far back as you can look and as far forward as you can look, the angels have been around the throne singing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at strongtowerbaptist.org.